Sister Allison, thank you all. Aren't you glad that you can cast your cares upon him? Because he cares for us. I always think about when we sing that song, I think about the promises of Christ being our, our high priest who, who is aware of all of our sufferings and he can make intercession for us because of that. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to, uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, this morning in just a minute we're going to pass out, where did Tim go? Tim Esco, is Tim in here? Does anybody have the handouts? You're kidding me. Somebody better find Tim Esco, I gave him my handouts for this morning, but uh, okay, there they are. Okay, we're not going to pass them out quite yet. Uh, did, did Tim get mad and leave? Wow, that's incredible. That's pretty good. Okay, well, all right. I didn't mean to embarrass him. I didn't know he wasn't here. So anyway, God's good, isn't he? Isn't that great? That's great. We're a family. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and, and this has nothing to do with the handout this morning, but I just want to show you how... And we're adults, we're reading it, this is an adult passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to show you an adult passage, uh, some wisdom from God's Word. And, and in just a moment, uh, if Tim doesn't come, we need to find some men to pass out those, uh, those uh, handouts. So well, let's find some men. Who's some men in here? Mike Cohen, I know, is a man. He can help me. Philip, do you, can you help him pass those out? By the way, we have several of the men this morning that are in here that are cooking the steaks today. For tonight, I have four or five guys that are seasoning. About, I mean, what, they've been sending me their texts. They're, some are seasoning, cooking. Anyway, so they, there's a team effort for cooking the steaks tonight, and I appreciate it. Uh, Miss Bonnie, my daughter Bonnie, and, and some other ladies are helping doing the, what's cooking on the inside, all the fixings that are going to go on the meal tonight. And I just encourage you to be here. It's going to be a great meal, have great fellowship. And we have a little game. Uh, some of, a couple of our ladies have a little... Uh, what what game what game is it we're doing? Bingo. Bing, heart bingo or something like that. Yeah, so you'll you'll want to be here for that. And uh, so uh, uh, I want to read a, this is this passage five or six verses out of First Corinthians chapter seven. And and please try not to read the whole in, the handout you just got and not pay attention to this. That's one reason I wanted to hold it. But uh, here's some wisdom from God and and. Uh, uh, Sometimes being on Facebook prevents me from saying certain things. So there's certain things I can't say, but let me just say that it would not surprise you uh, how many men abuse this passage of Scripture because they don't know what God says in His Word. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. just want to read it and make a comment. It says, now concerning... The matters about which you wrote, uh, and obviously they, the church had written to the Apostle Paul about some questions they had, and that's why he wrote 1 Corinthians. And you know the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a great book to study because there's tons of issues, life's issues, you know, suing a brother which is wrong, uh, all these issues that Paul dealt with. And here's one on sexuality and, or sex, intimacy and marriage. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. 
Now, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now, immediately he's inferring where sex is to take place. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights. I'm reading out of ESV. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Then it says, likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Okay? Some of the trends today is for men to demand their wives do certain, you know, but the, they don't realize that the Bible says, yes, the husband has authority over the wife's body, but what they forget is, the wife has authority over his body. And that gives her the right to say, no. Okay? Then look what it says. But the wife says, do not deprive one another. So it has to be a cooperative effort. Except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So you do not abstain from the marriage bed too long. Uh, but there's not a dictator in that relationship because each spouse has authority over the other's body. And, and sometimes men forget what the Bible has to say about that. Now take your Bibles and go to Titus, Titus chapter 2. You have the Timothy, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. I wanted you to see this morning when... Uh, uh, where Robbie read out of uh, the pastorly epistles about how important, uh, how leadership in the church mirrors the created order, male headship, but also how twice you heard him say that, that it's like the fam your family, my family, your family. It's almost a microcosm. If you're a, a husband of a family, you are shepherding that family. And so the point that, that Paul makes is that if, if, if somebody wants, it feels like they're called into the ministry or, or can serve as a deacon, the first place you look is their home. Because if they're going to shepherd God's family, right? We're a family, right? And we're to be the perfect family. Uh, we're going to read that here in Titus. And say, so we're a family. And, and so... If somebody's going to help serve and lead the family, then they ought to have their own family. They ought to be shepherding their own family before they try to shepherd God's family, the local church. So that's one of the major qualifications for a pastor or overseer, is how it's translated in, in 1 Timothy 2, for a pastor and for a deacon. Is, is, is one of the qualifications is about being a father in their own home. Uh, you know, because let's say, you know, if their children are, are at home and are rebels and are running over them and there's no discipline and no Christian discipline in the home and 
no discipleship going on in the home, then why would they think they could leave the church? That's his argument there. <clears throat> and, uh, but by the way, if you read that, you don't have to read it now, but Robbie read it, and we'll talk about it again the first Sunday of March. But if you read the qualifications, because we're a family of faith, so our church has a pastor, has staff members, and we have deacons. And we're, we're supposed to be the male leaders of the church, okay? We're, you know, so, so it matters what the qualifications are. So when you read that, you'll find that, and several, we have several deacons in here, uh, the difference, if you look at the qualifications for me, I'm the one that's the overseer, that's bishop is another word, or pastor, you know, elder, whatever. So, and then the qualifications for deacon, you don't have to read it now, but you read the qualifications and it's the same. Almost exactly the same. The bigger, the only really major difference between me and them is that people like me, a pastor, is supposed to be able to teach and preach. You can look at it later. That's one of the major differences is that a pastor, teacher, or an overseer, deacon, I mean an overseer, uh, elder, whatever, whichever translation, uh, is supposed to be able to preach and teach. That's the major difference than, than, than a deacon. But you'd also notice that, that their, their wives, you know, they're supposed to have, their wives are, are supposed to demonstrate Christ-likeness as well. So you, you just reminding us how important God's order for the family is and also for the family of faith is. Let me read this one passage, then we'll get to the handout. And I'm, I'm not going to, I just have these six or seven things I want to read about, makes a few comments, but before I do that, let me read Titus 2, okay? Your Bible's open to Titus 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. By the way, that word sound is always the word healthy. Our English word healthy, hygiene comes from it. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior. Now this is for the body of Christ, the church. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and to train the younger women, the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants, and this is more like workers, bond servants as to, are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one dis disregard you. This is a wonderful passage, not only about the church, but it's about the, the responsibilities that we all have in the family of faith for one another. Your handout today, I just wrote down, these are six or seven little statements I want to make. And so let me read these. You can read them. We could just read them ourselves and go home, but we're not going to do that. I'm going to read them and share a couple of thoughts with you this morning. We've got 20 minutes or so. Just as God, and this, this is what I've been reading about, just as God designed the marriage covenant with particular roles and responsibilities, He likewise made the new covenant union. of Genesis, you know, in Genesis He designed marriage. Uh, the new covenant union of Christ and the church, basically, in the head of the, and Christ is the head of the bride. So He designed the church. And if you remember, Jesus said, uh, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. Right? That's what he said. It's his church. So now think about this. The, this is just a little theology here to think about when you're thinking about marriage, but also about Christ and the church. Which Christ and the church, every married couple is a picture of Christ and the church. You know, a husband gives himself for his wife. Christ gave himself for the church. But Christ was called, in, in the book of Corinthians, he's called the last Adam. So the last Adam named his, his bride the church. The church is his bride. Paul would later on describe the church as the bride of Christ. So Jesus called his bride the church. Okay, The first Adam, Jesus was called the last Adam. So his bride's the church, a local body of baptized believers. The first Adam, interesting enough, gave his spouse two names, right? First one he gave her was woman, right? Or woe, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's, that's a joke. Whoa, woe, woman, which means out of man. The Hebrew word means out of, out of man. And, and the name woman is describing where she came from. Where did Eve come from? God took a what? A rib. And then he fashioned a beautiful is what it says. That he artistically designed is a good way to translate that Hebrew. He artistically designed a woman. So she was looking better than Adam right off the bat. So he artistically designed a woman. But he took the rib to do that. So one of the things we talk about is a woman. A woman is from the man. Where did she come from? From the man. So where is she going to find her ultimate fulfillment? In marriage, she's going to find it when she unites with the one she came from. It's a great picture. So, so there's nothing like a great marriage. You know? So she's from the man and for the man. So, 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 and so Jesus has a bride, and that bride's called the church. So, so it says he likewise made the new covenant uh, union of Christ. God did with, head, the, with Christ being the head of the body in the church. The church 
has particular roles and responsibilities. So in that local church, he wants that church, his bride, to be pure and holy, so he, he assigns res, res, roles and responsibilities. It's just not a, you know, just, the church is not designed just to wing it. God has a design for the church. So just know that the Bible says that every Christian marriage, every husband and wife is a picture of Christ in the church. The husband represents Christ and he, is, he, he leads his wife through a sacrificial life, is what it says. Okay? He models the life of Christ and he gives and gives himself up for her. Uh, that's what Ephesians 5 says. And then the wife is a picture of the church. She gladly submits to the Christ-like leadership of her husband. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Number two on here, it says the gift of children. You know, we... We don't think, we always think about them being our children, but the Bible doesn't teach that. They're God's children, and He gave them to us. Um, and so, I gave you one verse, Psalm 127, you know, children are a heritage from the Lord. They're, he gave them to their gift. And they're, those, so, He gave them to you, so there's responsibilities we have for parenting. Based because they're his, he he gave them to us, and so it says, the gift of the children and reminds us of, of who our children belong to, as well as to to whom we are accountable. So when we when you think about the parenting laws and the Bible and design for raising godly children in an ungodly world, it's that's not an option. They're God's children. He he gave them to us, and so we have a. We have a stewardship responsibility based on His authority to do what God says do. And, uh, you know, Ephesians 6, is the first couple of verses there are strong verses when it comes to, to godly parenting. Um, I love one of the phrases says there, uh, tell you what, let's flip over to Galatia, uh, Ephesians 6 real quick. I, I just read this one verse. Uh, Ephesians 6 Look at verse. Um, look at verse four. Well, heck, let's start at verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, long life, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But here's, here's two words. But bring them up. Bring them up. What, a, what an incredible word. Um, leans towards uh, a farming term where a farmer or a husbandman would bring, when he's responsible for the seedling, the planting of it, the, 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 the tending of it, until it comes and bears full fruit. It's that picture that that father wants to bring them up at, at every stage. Um, and you think about a farmer full-time, and it's, 
that he's responsible. And so it, it takes time and effort and oversight. And, and then he says, bring them up in, in the discipline and instruction. Uh, so so we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring them up from beginning to end, just watching them bear fruit, grow up. We're going to discipline them. That's just the word for bringing up children. And then in instruction in the Lord, and, and I love, that's one of my favorite Bible words. It means to frame the mind. Uh, Nutheo, to frame the mind. You, your goal is to frame their mind, to think, you know, think biblically. So, so this, is, this is what parents do. So going back, you know, so we have this massive responsibility to do those things. Those aren't suggestions, those are commands. I'm on number three now in your sheet. In marriage, <clears throat> leaving one's parents and holding fast to your wife or husband, which is in Genesis 2.24, that leave and cleave, very important, leave and cleave. Um, if you're here today, you're not married, you're not still married to your parents. You're in covenant with a spouse. Your parents are not first place anymore. Okay? They don't run your home. You and your spouse run your home. They don't. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you've been here long enough or been around long enough to meet people whose, whose parents are too involved in their marriage and make the calls. And uh, so... Leaving one's parents and holding fast to your wife or husband and forming a one flesh union bears witness to the work of Christ for his bride. You know, in Ephesians 5, I won't go there just for the sake of time, but you know, when it says that, that Christ is the head of the body, well, if, if we're his body, you now he's... He's going to mention the bride too in Ephesians 5. But if we're his body and he's the head, we're one. Do you, do you understand? So we're his body. He's the head of the body if he's taking a pick. But that body is still one. Together they make up one body. So Christ is the head of the body. And so that's why he, he nourishes and cherishes his body. That's why he, he feeds us his word and his Holy Spirit works because we're his body and, and everything he, he wants his body to represent his will. He wants us to live out what we already are. We're one flesh with him. You know, we're one with him. So he wants us to live that out. So, so his goal is us to live like him, himself, to live like the head. I love 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Think about that. Think about the eternal security of that. Think about the responsibilities of that. So in salvation, we become one flesh with Christ. Um, and of course, that's also a picture, one picture of why marriage is to be permanent. Because it pictures Christ and his church. But... He is joined to as the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So we're to be like him. And so that's part of that unity. The Bible says the unity of the faith is when all of us are living Christ-like. You know, the unity of the faith. 
And then because of that, there's peace in the church, the bonds of peace. It's same true for a marriage. I mean, can you, is there problems in your marriage if both of you are living like Jesus? Right? Is there? No. And I've, I've told you every time I, this happens, every time I talk about marriage, every time, every time, whether it's here or in a Sunday school class, if I'm doing a thing on marriage or whatever, do you know what happens in my marriage? We have more conflicts than we've had in years when I do this. You know, of course, it's a spiritual thing. You know, I can be silly about it and say it's Diane's fault, but it's a spiritual thing. It is a spiritual thing. It's the devil, I think. And, and you have these battles that you've never had, and, and part of it is I, I mean, it's trying to get me to deny the very things I'm teaching. And sometimes I do. I act like an idiot, you know. And uh, I know you don't, but I do. It's, I'm 61 years old, and I act like an idiot. By the way, if you buy an LG dryer, I bought one six months ago, brand new. They eat socks. So, listen, this morning, again, I couldn't find. They eat, they're eating my socks, so I'm really bothered by that. Just a side note. So LG eats socks. Okay, next one says, Knowing God's Word serves as a lamp and a light for our homes and hearts. Thy word, Psalm 119, uh, 19, thy word is a lamp to make the light into my path. Hides my words in my heart. So, the, so God's word serves as a lamp and a light for our homes and hearts in this world of darkness. So making biblical instruction is essential for every Christian home. Now, I do want to spend a little bit of time. I do have it. Go, go, to, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I just want you to see this real quickly. 1 Timothy 4. First Timothy chapter 4. And, and this isn't necessarily all about marriage, but it's about discipleship. First uh, Timothy uh, chapter 4. Um, let me just pick up at verse uh, 6. Just talking about God's Word and being... Uh, being committed to truth. Uh, so if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith. Uh, sometimes that word train, the root word is gymnasium, but that's not the word. This is the word for a full-fledged, Education from beginning to end, like, like a formal education. So we're, from beginning to end, our goal is to be trained in the words of our faith. You know, and again, I, I'm, not being, I'm not attacking you, I'm not being ugly, whether you're, whether you're the parent in the home, whether you're a child submitting to your parents. How often do you look at God's Word how often is God's Word the, pit, the, the focus of home life? You know, do you, are you reading scriptures with your family? It's, the Word is living and active, and, and fathers are responding. The Father's going to be held accountable for that. You know, and not, it doesn't all have to look the same. I'm not saying all of us have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, and have family devotions. You know, I'm not saying that. Light some candles and, and mumble and jumble and pray at the same time. I'm not saying that. But we all should be, as, as shepherds in our family, should be putting God's Word 
before our children and, and really before our spouse. Because we're really, we're not just raising them we're, for our, we're raising them for Christ. They're Christ. And so the, God's Word is how we grow. And so um, think about that. When you read a passage of Scripture to your kids, that's God's living Word. And it does things you can't do. It, it, and it, it, it's alive. And so just think about that. Uh, or even anybody married, Diane and I, how often do we sit around and talk about God's Word and share Scriptures and discuss the theology and the application of holiness and all that? That's what we should do. It should be Christ is King. Christ, that should be a topic of our home all the time. And so Paul tells to, be, to train in the words of faith. And he says, End of the good doctrine that you have followed. And then he gets this to have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. That is the word, Jim. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Isn't that awesome? So it makes us like Christ now. It purges us from our sins. It, it sanctifies whatever term you want to use, but also it's preparing us for eternity, for the life that is to come. Anyway, I just, that's just some applications. Go back to your sheet now. The wisdom of God's word concerning sexual temptation and whether we're talking about homosexuality, perversion, um, sex outside of marriage, whatever it would be, the Bible speaks to these issues. So the wisdom of God's word concerning sexual temptation, perversions, and sexual strongholds. And I don't know what the statistics are t today, but years ago, and I'm saying years ago, I think the, my sermon was in 2013 that I said this. In 2013, if, if I remember the, the year right in my notes, I mentioned this, that 50% of males in a local church are looking at pornography. 50%. Now, I don't know what it is today, but I know that a naked woman is a click away on my phone. Is it not? Okay. And so for males that are young, young adult men, I mean, as older you get, it's not as bad. So, but for young adult men to have that access and have that temptation is just horrible. And uh, and it just it, it's a stronghold. And uh, it, it uh, it's uh, we went through this thing years ago. I don't know if you remember it here. We did that. Uh, we did that safe. Uh, be safe. Remember? Just shake your head like you agree. Remember, we had, we, we had the internet lock thing where every, all of us were getting these be safes because it would keep you from anybody on your, your computer. Of course, back then our phones couldn't do what they could do now, where you couldn't go to these bad sites. You with me? We, and we did that. We sold the, we, all of us had a package and we all were, you with me? Sonia, you did it. I mean, where'd Sonia go? Sonia, you look like, okay, okay. Um, we had it. Wasn't it be safe? Wasn't the name of it? That's a long time ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. I mean, but but we did it. Well, my point was, it, and it's it, um, 
How many of your your how many of you parents have caught your son, your adolescent son looking at dirty stuff? I, I can I'm not going to name them, but it happens all the time because it's there. And so it's a it's a massive temptation. And you're kidding yourself if you have a we don't have any in here right now, but if we have a 13 year old son in your house, you are naive to think you don't want to look at naked women. Let's move on. And have access. It just gets crazy. So we have to protect them. We have to think biblical and try. So, so this ought to be a regular conversation with, with people, with our boys and girls. And you know, and of course, if they're going to learn it, they need to learn it from you and not from the streets, and not from some wicked pagan on in some rock song or some video or. Whew, a whole generation learned sexuality from Madonna. So when Adam and Eve experienced conviction and the guilt for the first time after disobeying God, their immediate response was to do what? Giant fig leaves. Folks, we can't do this. There are obvious weaknesses that we all have, whether it's parenting or whether it's a husband and wife, but we, we just can't sow fig leaves and cover it up. You know, God called them to repentance. Then He held them accountable. But those fig leaves weren't going to last. You and I know it. And we can cover it up, but it's not going to help that the sin and the wickedness and the bondage and all that's still there. And, and until we repent and, and seek reconciliation or, or obedience, and until we do those things, the Bible calls, we're not going to experience the peace of God. We're not going to have the fruits of God. And be honest with you, there's occasions where it becomes public, some of the stupid stuff we do, and it mocks the name of Jesus. You know, when you have somebody that, that serves Christ publicly and is a Sunday school teacher, well, you've been through it many times, and then they publicly or get caught, they commit adultery, and it just shatters the church, and it shatters homes and upset, you know, it just devastates. There's, there's a lot to risk when, when we're not obeying Scripture, and we have to quit sowing fig leaves. We, so... A Christian home, last one, it says a Christian home is much more than following a man-centered list of do's and don'ts, but rather flows from a heart and mind submissive to Scripture and a genuine desire to bear fruits of Christ's likeness. You know, um, we always talk about it's not about rules. I hear people say this all the time, and it is a, it is a nice way of saying it. It's not about rules. It's not. It's about a relationship with Christ and I want to please Christ. I want to obey Him. Uh, and we'll finish with this. Just this last scripture. It says, when the big one is, well, we got time. One verse and I finish. Go to Ephesians 5. I'll just use one verse. Ephesians 5. And... Uh,
Now, this is before he gets into the, the, the marriage description on husbands and wives, but right at the end, you should listen to, listen to this. I love verse 21. Of course, it is talking about mutual submission of everybody, but also it tells you the spirit of submission, no matter whether I'm a wife submitting to a husband or, or I'm a Christian submitting to the Lordship of Christ, a, a child submitting to the authority of the parents, whatever a church member submitting to the authority of its leaders at the church, whatever it be. Paul says, submitting, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want to obey, I want to obey Scripture. I want to be a godly man. I want to be a godly father, a godly grandfather, a godly husband. I want you to be a godly whatever, name it. But our ultimate motivation is because of what Christ has done for us. Out of my love and reverence and worship of Him, He's worthy of my obedience, is He not? He's worthy of it. So I want to submit to His Word. I want to submit to God's authority. I want to be submissive where I need to be submissive. Because Christ died for me. And you too want to be submissive because Christ died for you. Amen? Let's stand together in prayer. Folks, I want to, as we stand, I want to apologize. I skip people at this prayer time thing. I've had 30 of you down on paper and I've walked right past you. Every time. I forgot Bruce last week. And uh, Bruce, do you mind coming up here and closing us with prayer? Bruce Davis is one of our, they've been members probably about nine months now. Bruce goes way back with me, right? They go way back um, when I was a youth pastor at Highland Avenue. Uh, by the way, Bruce is an ordained deacon, so one day we'll get him serving with us. But anyway, so I missed him last week. I missed John. I've missed half of you that are in the church. So I'm going to do better. So I always have one of our men close us in prayer. So Bruce will dismiss us. See you at 6 o'clock tonight. See you tonight. God bless.